Open up your Bibles to Matthew 28. We will begin there and, and just see what the Lord has to say in, in this chapter. And I hope that you go back uh, even after the day and, and just read the book of Matthew again and, and see how the Lord will, will bless you with all the things that, that this, it says. But starting with verse 1, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Madeline and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. Remember what we said in, in the last chapter when it came to these two women. We saw love and faith. They were the last two to leave their Lord's resting place and the first to return when the Sabbath is past. In verse 2 it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. White is the emblem of purity. Just as Jesus' raiment was at transfiguration and the robes of the saints as described in Revelation. Verse 4 says, And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Much could be said about this verse. The resurrection of Christ is a subject of terror to the servants of sin and a subject of consolation to the sons of God. And remember the keepers of the tomb are the guards of the Roman soldiers. And a guard was put on watch with the governor's seal on it to prevent even his guards from being corrupt. In the previous chapter, when you go back to verse 62, this is what it, was, it says. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulchre be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So then, so they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. The keepers who were as dead men were the Roman soldiers who watched the tomb to prevent anyone from taking his body. Now going back to tw uh, chapter 28, verse 5. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not. Ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. These two women were faithful for proclaiming the gospel to those who were afterwards to be teachers of the whole human race. 
and they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. It has been said at the unexpected good news, fear and joy are generally intermingled. Here, fear was produced by the appearance of the messenger of God and great joy by the glad tidings of Jesus' resurrection. Verse 9 says, And as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. You see, so while they were running to tell the disciples, the soldiers were running to tell the priests what happened. The soldiers and the priests are trying to cover their tracks. Verse 12. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. This is called hush hush money to hold up all hold up a lie that Jesus has not risen. And this lie is carried on even today. Many still don't believe the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there are still many waiting on his first coming. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Notice what it says. They did as they were taught. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee and to a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Remember now. There is now 11 and not 12 disciples. Judas was no longer with them because he hung himself. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Out of the 11, some worshiped, but some doubted. We know Thomas was one of them that doubted him. We know Thomas said he would not believe unless he thrust his hands into his side and touched his body. He did not expect his resurrection. Also, it shows they were honest men who were not easily imposed on or persuaded. Even though Jesus had told the disciples before he died in the previous chapter, after I am risen again, I will go before you in Galilee. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. In heaven and in earth. Many scriptures bear witness to this statement. Here are a few. In John 3.35 it says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things unto his hand. Acts 2.36 said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Romans 14 and 9 said, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. 
And of course, Philippians 2 and 9 and 10, we can't leave out. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. This next verse is important. For Jesus says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Notice the first thing he says, teach. It is the nations, the people, the world who need to be taught. They need to know who Jesus is and why he came. Before a person is baptized, there is a teaching that is needed. They should be taught and know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Remember in Acts where the eunuch was reading about Isaiah, the prophet, and Philip came up on him? The eunuch did not understand what he was reading. So Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. As they went on their way, the eunuch said, here is water. What is preventing me from being baptized? Philip asked, do you believe with all thine heart? He answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You will find this in Acts 8, 28 through 37 that you can read at your own leisure. Many do not agree on how you should be baptized. All churches have their own way and formula of doing so. What is important is you are baptized. When John told Jesus, I am not worthy to be baptized, to baptize you. Jesus said, suffer it to be, to fulfill all righteousness. Some will baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. There are those that baptize in the name of Jesus, which I believe. And we will go deeper into that in a moment. And then there are those that say in the name of Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And last, there are those who baptize you without a name. Everyone has their own reason and convictions of why and how they believe one should be baptized. But what I believe is most important is you get baptized. Now, let's look at why we baptize the way we do. In verse 19, it says, teach first, then baptize. What we teach and share is this. When we look at the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, these are titles. So if I was to use these names, it would be in the name of Jehovah, which is the Father's name. In the name of Jesus, which is the Son's name. In the name of the Comforter of Spirit of Truth, which is the Holy Ghost. So what is the Father's name here? Let's look at John 5, 43. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. And you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. What name did he come in? It was Jesus, the name that the father gave him. John 17 and 6, Jesus said, I have manifested, which means made known, thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world, who are the disciples and those that believe. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word 
Again, what name was that? The name Jesus. John 17, 26, Jesus said, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that thou lovest love wherewith thou hast loved me, may be in them and I in them. What name was he declaring? Jesus. Before I go any further, let no one get confused. I am not saying that Jesus is the Father. I am saying that the Father gave this name to Jesus. Just like you bear the last name of your father, from birth, you carry his name that was given to you. Now, what is the name of the Son? Of course, Jesus. Matthew one twenty one said, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Luke one thirty one said, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. So what is the name of the son? Jesus. Now it says in the name of the Holy Ghost, John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you, who is going to teach you Jesus. John 15, 26 said, But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. Who will he testify of? Jesus. So, when you put all these together, Jesus came in the name of the Father, which is Jesus. Jesus bears the name given to him, which is Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies only of the name given to him, which is Jesus. For there is no other name whereby a man can be saved, but by the name of Jesus. Let's go a step further. Let's look at Acts 2.38. <clears throat> when Peter preached unto the, on the day of Pentecost to those who had crucified Christ, he told them that same Jesus whom you have crucified has been made both Lord and Christ. When he preached this, all of the disciples were there. When they were pricked in their heart, Peter preached and said in verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Point one is this. If Jesus told the disciples to go baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost after he left, why did Peter do it just the way he said? If Peter was wrong, why did the others correct him since they were there with him. Or could it be Peter understood what Christ meant? Point two, looking at verse 40 and 41. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. If Peter was in error in how he baptized, 
Why would God add 3,000 souls by what he did? What I believe it is because Peter understood the revelation that was taught by Jesus in Matthew 28. One more revelation knowledge. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, word being what you say, deed being what you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Meaning, whatever you say or whatever you do, it should be in the name of Jesus. If we end our prayer in Jesus' name, if we bless our food in Jesus' name, if we cast out devils in Jesus' name, why can't we baptize in Jesus' name? Doing so does not make anything, take anything away from the Father, but it gives him the respect and the honor he deserves. And you honor both the Father and the Son. Now after this verse, Matthew 28, 20 says, Teach them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So what has been taught must continue to be taught and observed. I will be with you always forever means the presence of his spirit will be with us and in us, which will make us partakers of his benefits, even though he is absent from us in his body. People who are entrusted with the teachings of the gospel should be careful that they do not teach human creeds and confessions of faith. They should make sure it is the doctrine of Christ and not the teachings of man. Teaching them is so they can become disciples by faith, repentance, and baptism. To observe, to keep, obey, and take heed. All things whatsoever I have commanded you includes every particular particle of Christ's teaching to be believed and obeyed according to the conditions of each part. This concludes the Gospel of Matthew. And with that, my time is up. And I thank you for yours.